Hello and welcome to For What It's Earth, the nature, environment and climate change podcast that asks, what's going on? And is there anything that you and I can do with our feet on terra firma for the foreseeable future anyway? Is there anything that we can do to save the planet? I'm Emma. I'm Lloyd. And this week, as you might have guessed from Emma's hints, we are talking about space where no one can hear you scream, (laughs) but hopefully can still hear your reasoned debate about environmental issues. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very well done. Very well done. Thank you. And I'm really excited for this because I'm sure there's like very ripe um, grounds for puns. I feel like space puns are quite easy to do. Yeah, well, you've set yourself a challenge there. So I look forward to seeing you follow through. Hoping to launch right into this one. Oh, God. Here we go. (laughs) Setting the tone. (laughs) All right. Before you uh, reach a new frontier of pun exploration, Lloyd, what one good thing have you done this week? Um, well, the good thing is I, I bought myself a reusable coffee cup. The bad thing is I lost the old one. <laughs> <laughs> so balances out. I really don't know where it was gone. Can't find it anywhere. We're in the middle of house reno. Um, if you're listening to this in 2022 or 2023, I'll probably still be in the middle of house reno. It's <laughs> taken that long. But in the meantime, I've lost my coffee cup. Don't know where it's gone. Bought a new one. Happy days. Well done. You know what? These things happen. Sometimes you lose things. They do happen, Emma. They do. You've replaced one good habit with another good habit, so I think it's good. Yes. Thank thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah. What about yourself? What have you been up to? I This week I've been working on some educational videos for teenagers <laughs> to go into a school's programme. Amazing. And one of the videos we did today left me, dangerously, left me some room to talk about environmental issues in the fashion industry. So I... Managed to get loads of stuff about fast fashion and how teenagers can make their own sustainable choices when it comes to their kind of clothing and purchasing decisions. Fantastic. So planting the seeds of of knowledge in the next generation. Hopefully. Yeah. Sneaking it into the curriculum. Nice. And actually, um, not just you and I. Again, our listeners have sent in some some good ones. I, I, I like this trend. I'm hoping this trend continues yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're taking it one step further from shouting them out on Instagram to actually bringing them on the pod, which is quite nice. First of all, <laughs> mega brownie points <laughs> to one of the most ridiculous ones. We both received a rather lovely photograph of a big, dirty bucket of water in a shower this week, didn't we? So thanks, Ellie, from the UK Wildlife Garden podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. This. That was, um, upon opening it, very bizarre to see, and I was very confused where this conversation was going. Mm-hmm. Uh but, it's... but the explanation being oh, they've been showering in a bucket to, so that they can reuse all the water on their garden. So By choice. Nice, fair play. Absolutely. Out of pure choice. They didn't have to, but they really no. wanted to save water. And like, hats off. Well Nobody done. forced them into the bucket. No. But there we go. <laughs> so well done, Ellie. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, that, uh, that's going to take some beating. Um, but Tash uh, ordered clothes from Big Wild Thoughts. Um, instead of, uh, in her own words, doing a Primark shopping spree. And apparently 10% of the sales from that place go to wildlife charities, which we're very fond of. Big fan, big fan, yeah. Uh, how about Jenny? Jenny went for a litter pick. That's it, simple and effective. Fantastic. Nice one. Every bit of litter you big take off your streets fan. is uh, doing a world of good, so well done. 
uh, Abigail started recycling pet food pouches with TerraCycle, which is what we love. I think we mentioned that um, back in our pets episode as well. We did, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Well done. Well done, yeah. Well done, gang. Well, we still need a a collective noun for the podcast listeners, don't we? Earthies. Uh, Well well done, all of our earthies. (laughs) You're doing a slap-up job. Talking about slapping up. Uh, billionaires? No, I'm kidding. Where's this going? Um, right. I don't know. Oh, I see. Okay. I was <laughs> like, "What new segment have you introduced to this podcast now?" <laughs> no, I realised actually last week we kind of uh, you know moaned about Elon Musk a few times, and the, the theme. Oh, in our Christmas week, episode. Yeah, there yeah. might there might be a few um, billionaires being name dropped and slightly criticised. Oh, you know so. It's only fair in this you know style of the BBC that we go after all the other billionaires. Um, yeah absolutely everyone else that's uh, racing to space is also obviously racing to be slagged off in our very tiny podcast yes they've all been um, launching off haven't they um so <laughs> branson richard branson sorry sir richard branson has been oh, well off on his uh, virgin space Galactic. cruises i think it's unity it's called um yeah. and jeff bezos then went up in his little cowboy hat blue origin, uh, on blue origin. that looked rather like a human appendage I did enjoy watching <laughs> watching that. Uh, yeah, and uh, Elon Musk, of course, also venturing into commercial yeah, space. Yeah, and due, due to take passengers soon with uh, with SpaceX uh, Dragon mm. capsules, I think. Yeah, so as you can tell, we're not uh, space nerds. But this, is, this has been a really fun <laughs> but one. we are where it to... exists. Yeah, so we, so we thought, you know, every, they've been in the news a ridiculous amount, as has a lot of the criticism that's come... There's a bit of a backlash has also been in the news quite a lot with the kind of overarching theme of you guys have so much money and there are so many problems on earth. You make more money when you sneeze than any of us will in a lifetime. Why can't you funnel that towards, you know, saving the planet, helping out humans and doing nice social things uh, rather than kind of egotistically racing to space? So that's been in the news a lot. So we thought, hey, hard-hitting journalism that we are at Ford Earth, let's have a chat about commercial space travel and yeah. science space travel and whether it's bad for the environment. Yeah, because we or definitely... Or perhaps why it's bad for the environment. I think we all know it's probably not great for the environment. Exactly. I mean, we, we've bashed on aviation quite a lot in the past, haven't we? Um, so you can kind of guess where, where this is going to go. But uh, it's a growing problem, perhaps, or a growing sector. Concerned. Mm. Um, 140 launches, rocket launches in the whole of 2020. And when you compare that to 100,000 flights from aviation a day, like commercial airplane flights, it maybe doesn't seem that big a deal. But uh, commercial space as a sector is set to grow by well, at least 5% a year, I think it is, and uh, probably up to 14, 20% in the, a year in the next coming decade. Yeah, I mean, I think Richard Branson has said that Virgin Galactic wants to do over 400 flights a year eventually to space. So Yeah, definitely... and Elon Musk has been talking about opening space up to, to everyone as well, hasn't he? Hmm. Not quite sure how I imagine that <laughs> happening. <laughs> hey, qu- actually, quick question. Um, Richard Branson knocks on your door tomorrow mm-hmm. and says, Lloyd, mate, love the pod. I've got a fully funded seat. Do you want to come and hang out on the edge of space. Would you go? You up for it? That's such a difficult one because I really love space. And I've always, I wanted to be an astronaut for Did quite you? a while. Yeah, yeah. I really want to be an astronaut. Um, I looked up how, how you do it, etc. 
But oh, I don't know. It would be hypocritical Marine after, biology after today's took your episode. Love instead. Well, you, oh, I'm not going to answer right now, but you'd be surprised. There are um, more and more general science roles opening up in, in terms of astronauts because the ISS is obviously first and foremost a space, yeah, true. Uh, a science station. It is a research yeah. facility. Yeah. Um, but anyway, perhaps after the end of this episode, I'll give you an answer because it might be a bit hypocritical for me to say yes. All right, we'll circle back. We'll orbit back around at the end of the episode. Oh, nice. I'm interested. I'm, I'm really interested. It is quite a tough question, actually, because, yeah, it does sound very cool. Apparently, the uh, uh, American, not NASA, the Federal Aviation Authority, or was it NASA? I can't remember. One of them basically came out and, and had to clarify that Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos do not classify as astronauts because they are implementing the lo- a rule that... To be classed an astronaut, you have to be performing some sort of duty towards the craft or like some indispensable service, um, which makes sense because just because you go on a boat doesn't make you a sailor. No, <laughs> absolutely not. And it, it's kind of insulting, I guess, to the astronauts yeah. who've gone on really intense training programs to then, you know, somebody who's got a spare million to i don't know how much tickets cost to go on one of their flights to go up for 11 minutes or whatever it was and come back and say, I'm an astronaut. I think one person paid twenty three million to go on Blue Origin, and oh, then didn't go on because they had a um, quote uh, scheduling issue, so couldn't actually make what? their twenty three million Who? pound seat. What is it? it Sorry, else. what is it that you reschedule that yeah. a space flight? I bet they had COVID. I bet they. I bet they tested positive and they weren't allowed Could on, you and that was too bad You'd of a press. Livid, wouldn't you? <laughs> I bet but they did oh gosh yeah i can't i don't know what what would what would get in the way scheduling wise of that but but sure <laughs> but anyway we were saying earlier how um comparatively few rocket launches compared to aviation for example so it's not a big problem but it is growing and when you consider that uh, one long haul plane flight if you look at it per passenger co2 emissions alone are one to three tons per passenger right Whereas mm. one rocket launch is 200 to 300 tonnes of CO2 split between about four passengers. Um, now, you could argue that depending on the purpose of it, there's different uses. So uh, a NASA launch, for example, or currently SpaceX launches are taking pay- payloads, the ISS and stuff. So it's slightly different purposes. But if space tourism was to expand, then those mm. 200 to 300 tonnes of CO2 is just going on passengers for the sake of tourism for the sake of looking out a window and seeing admittedly an amazing view perhaps not crucial to earth survival no although i think was it richard branson who said that having been changed by seeing that view he now cared more passionately oh that was jeff bezos yeah yeah was bezos was it okay He, he does also now want to his idea was to send heavy polluting industries into orbit and into space to remove them from what he calls uh, the gem of earth um he also he he obviously hasn't listened to enough foey because we would just say (laughs) don't don't, like scale down his industries and replace him in the first place you don't need to send them into space no surely for god's sake protect the rainforest that your company is named after but we promise um, this episode is going to be full of facts and um 
Well, here's, here's your first fact. We'll I don't know if it is actually a fact, but here's your first claim from Virgin. They claim that the carbon cost or the environmental impact, as you were saying, you know, obviously per passenger it's different, but they claim that the impact of one of its journeys into space is similar to an airline flight to the Far East, which when you put it like that, you, uh, you have to go through the same thought of what you just said, which is that there are not four people on a plane to the Far exactly. East. And so presumably those people aren't going to look out the window the whole time. That's not why they're there. They're, well, I mean, I suppose tourism whilst they get there, but there's also like business flights and, and all sorts of reasons they're doing it as opposed to just wanting to be on the plane. Yeah, and, you know, catching up on all those hot movies. Yeah. What else is there? <laughs> well, that's sweet, sweet <laughs> airline food. <laughs> and what we will go into as well in this episode is the difference between um, companies and the difference between rockets. So, for example, Blue Origin, uh, Bezos's company, uh, claims that their blue... What's, what's their rocket called? Blue... There's a couple of them. Wasn't wasn't the new one called New Shepard Blue or Phallus something? Or, yeah, um, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, um. <laughs> they claim theirs is cleaner than Virgin's Unity, for example, based on the fuel they use mm. in their rockets. And this is quite a big one. So the if you can imagine, sort of like the older space shuttle, um, mm. like with its massive orange tank, those used uh, solid state fuels. Mm-hmm. from what I understand, which tend to be perhaps a little bit more stable, but also uh, much more polluting. And the Blue Origin claims they use uh, liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen, which produces a lot of water vapour. Uh, Virgin's Unity uh, uses some solid carbon-based fuel, some liquid oxidant and nitrous oxide, which produces uh, CO2, soot and water vapour. And SpaceX... SpaceX's Falcon rocket uses liquid kerosene and liquid oxygen, which again produces CO2, soot and water vapour. So there is a difference between the rockets. Mm. And there's a difference in the types, like you said, the the types of things that they produce. So we've mentioned soot a couple of times there. So obviously, normally when we talk about aviation, we've been banging on about greenhouse gas emissions and the amount of carbon being released in terms of like carbon dioxide and methane. But Actually, these black carbon particles, these soot particles, which get propelled out into the plumes. You know when you see the plumes of like white streaking across the sky as they yep. follow a rocket? Um, these plumes are full of things like, yes, carbon dioxide, but soot particles and also a chemical called alumina, from what I've heard. Yes. So these, yeah, so these all end up in the stratosphere, which is somewhere between 6 and 32 miles above the Earth, um, where essentially they can create a series of reactions that can deplete the ozone layer. And we all know that we need the ozone layer because that's what protects us on Earth from all of the UV radiation from the sun. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Because the ozone layer sits in the stratosphere layer, mm. which is much higher than commercial airlines, for example, fly. And that's a huge component of the issue surrounding pollution from rocket launches is that it goes a lot higher and it spreads further and it stays in the atmosphere longer because traditional aviation aeroplanes they will fly lower which means where they're polluting is within the troposphere um which is much lower and it's much more localized whereas when you start going that high with a rocket launch it's much more likely to spread around the earth and like i said hit layers of the atmosphere that it wouldn't otherwise Hmm. reach and takes longer so uh, two two to three years these chemicals and co2 can just sit around in the stratosphere for Mm. 
Not ideal. And so a lot of the, because obviously companies and, well, generally the world is starting to ask for explanations for reasons for being unenvironmental and, and asking companies to be accountable. All of these organisations are kind of shouting about how they're better than the other ones because of different ways. So they're all built entirely differently. Like you said, we all use totally different fuels. So if we're comparing things like these emissions that, that from the different fuel choices, you've got solid a lot of the solid fuels. So like you said, uh, Virgin Galactic does use um, some solid rubber base and gas fuels. They produce more of this alumina. And whereas the, the liquid fuels, so things like oil and kerosene, which is you know what um, SpaceX uses, they actually produce more soot. So mm. it depends on what plane you're arguing. If you're arguing over soot, you know, somebody else comes up trumps. And if you're arguing over alumina, and you know, there, there's so many nuances as to how bad things can be. What's interesting as well is that uh, I said, for example, Blue Origin produced a lot of water vapour, which sounds fantastic. But even water vapour has quite a, um, can have quite a profound effect on the ozone layer, for example. Um so, for example, when that water vapor uh, breaks down in the stratosphere, you can it can convert ozone into oxygen. Um, it can also produce clouds in the stratosphere that provide a surface um, for those reactions to take place faster. Um, uh-huh. On the flip side, interestingly, the water vapor clouds can reduce surface temperatures of the Earth. But right. that's kind of not the point, is it, really? You don't want to be playing around <laughs> with the temperature in the first place. We're going to see that in the greenwashing tweets. That's coming out yeah, at some point. exactly. I mean, You're what, welcome, oh, planet. We're creating more clouds. Well, after like 9-11, there's that, um, there's that fact, really popular fact, isn't there, that after 9-11, when all the planes were grounded for, for like a week, two weeks, the average temperature around North America rose uh, because there were no vapor trails from the from aircraft going over. Oh, that sounds like clutching at straws. Exactly. So it's like, okay, yeah, sure. But um, the impact in the first place but is also no. <laughs> but also no. Also absolutely no. Do you know, and so a lot of this data we're just talking about um, has been generated in labs. But actually, one of the ways that they have been able to measure it in situ, as it were, is that some sensors have been mounted on like really high altitude planes, which can fly through the plumes oh, after a cool. rocket has been has been launched, which I thought sounded like a really fun job or image oh in terms of um fun, fun information uh you were saying earlier about the, <laughs> the the white trail left behind by the rockets i think it's quite important yeah. to say that that classic image of when a rocket takes off and you get those huge white plumes at ground level from the rocket oh, launching yeah. that's actually just steam oh, interestingly really? oh, because what nice. they do um cause, yeah because you look at anything like oh no look at all that it's pollution dang hot. but um no 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 it's because what they do is they have something called a deluge so to reduce the effect of sound shockwaves, because it's such a loud thing to happen, oh, which can yeah. break glass like miles away, it can absolutely destroy the foundations of the rocket pad and the rocket itself, they release a deluge of water onto the pad and around the bottom of the rocket to reduce that sound impact um, and oh, reduce right. the heat as well that hits the pad. So a lot of it's just steam coming off, which I thought was really cool. Well, there's a... Uh environmental impact that i forgot to write in my notes sound pollution yes this is not good for wildlife <laughs> yeah that cannot be good for your surroundings. and i know a lot of them happen in like the, the barren deserts of america well you but- say that but there's one proposed isn't there in um one of the isles of scotland oh good lord really yeah there's a spaceport being approved in the shetlands um 
of Scotland uh, on the Isle of Unst. And uh, the RSPB, for example, has objected to the plans because there are protected birds and also uh, special protection areas uh, nearby. And they're worried that the uh, sound, as you say, of launching rockets from a spaceport will affect the breeding, for example, of the birds and the general birding that they do in their bird lives. The general birding, yeah. yeah. You've got to, got to protect the birding. Yeah, no, those sound like fairly valid I have a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Dr Hopkins here, reporting in on oh the official birding God. of Scotland. <laughs> let's, let's bring it back to the emissions. Can we develop space tourism in ways that have less emissions? Because we know as we develop any industry and any adventure that we might decide to do as a human race, the first iterations of things are never the best they're never the most efficient we always evolve them yeah so are there ways that we can evolve the space tourism industry to be less emitty i don't know um i I spent some time trying to find an answer to this and nobody seems to have like proper good answers so i've got a few um a few pretty rubbish ones that have been handed out if you want to hear them yeah go on so one is so Virgin Galactic's model. So we, we mentioned already that um, Blue Origin, Bezos' company, went up in like a proper rocket, looked a bit like a uh, a part of a male human, mm-hmm. um, but much more of that kind of classic blast off from the ground, classic rocket experience, right? Yeah. But so Virgin Galactic uses a slightly different model. So what they do is they have like a massive mothership, which gets you pretty dang high. And then from the mothership, when you're already halfway there, a smaller rocket is launched from this plane. Yeah. So when it's already at about 40,000 feet, which means that, and I quote, the rocket itself destined for space doesn't have to carry as much fuel and therefore won't admit as much. But I, I don't know if that's clutching at straws again and whether the whole it doesn't admit as much fuel covers the mothership as well or whether we're literally just comparing a rocket that goes the entire way to a little rocket that is already halfway there you intuitively think that's that would be less fuel because the the whole reason you know they have massive boosters strapped in the first place is because it's so difficult to break out of earth's atmosphere um Mm. but yeah I, i i think part of the problem and this seemed to be mentioned in a few articles i was reading is that these companies don't provide much information on it and they well, don't seem yeah. to engage very much in they just say oh it we don't produce much you know fossil fuels blah 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 yeah i know uh, we really care about just, the planet and then when people ask them they don't really engage with the conversation any further i can see um, why like i guess they can't they're just opening themselves up for a world of pain and criticism yeah um it's probably worth talking about uh, spacex's rocket boosters as well because they've spent oh, yeah? a lot of money a lot of time using uh developing reusable boosters so mm. rather than for example the old space shuttles well, the space shuttle was kind of um, it was like the first reusable one because the shuttle came back and it was the boosters that were lost to sea. Mm. Um, but SpaceX, they've been developing, uh, I think it's the Falcon 9 with their little grasshopper system. So they launched the booster up the uh, pod, the capsule containing either the crew of the cargo, then goes to the ISS or does whatever it needs to do or launches satellites. And then the booster guides itself back down to earth with controlled burns and it launches uh, it lands and the booster lands on floating platforms at sea so they can cool. be reused um so that's 
A plus yeah. that I could find, I suppose. This that- was the only other one I found. It was exactly the same thing. It was the private company because they are commercial entities. They're yeah. driven, you know they're driven by profit to re- to increase their profit margin. Making things that are reusable works for them. Less less inputs and more money. You know. Yeah, so, so they you're are reducing looking- that burden of the yeah. manufacturing process on the rockets. Yeah. So some level of physical waste is reduced purely based on their business model. I just find one suggestion about. Um, technologies for extracting co2 from the air which you can reuse as rocket fuel but again it's it's, <laughs> wow. it's it's one of those technologies which i guess works on paper but is so far off and clearly hasn't been invested in yet <laughs> so talking about useless things in space um space debris or and orbital debris space junk whatever you want to call it um crap that humans have left in space this is another one of the big environmental impacts of i mean not only space tourism to be fair a lot of uh, the things that are orbiting space orbiting space orbiting earth or just have been left in space um have also come from non-commercial missions yeah we love doing that as humans don't we wherever we go we love leaving stuff behind we do do you want to do you want a nice little definition yes please of space junk uh, so space junk or space debris or orbital debris are human-made objects in orbit around Earth that are no longer useful. So sometimes these are fragments of vehicles or bits that have fallen off or been ejected during launches and things, or even just old unused satellites. Because when we, when they're when they're done to us, we don't really go and retrieve them. Yep. So actually, lots of things are left up there for the for the the decades that we've been exploring and trying to pop things in space. But even like flecks of paint from vehicles orbiting space you know they still count as space junk and they can still cause damage as well can't they yeah definitely so according to nasa there are approximately twenty-three thousand pieces of debris that are larger than a softball which um what's a softball in american do you think is that oh, like a sl- it's baseball big, or a football bigger than a baseball baseball cool um and apparently they can travel at speeds of over 17 and a half thousand miles an hour which is actually like way definitely fast enough for quite a small piece of debris to damage like a satellite or a spacecraft. And there are over half a million that are under a centimetre and over a hundred million pieces that are under one millimetre. So like little flecks of things. Like that is a lot of stuff. And once you're travelling that far, I mean, we, we've all seen um, uh, Gravity, right? Oh, have you not seen the movie Gravity? I've not seen it, no. That whole thing, uh, the movie starts, or the, like the whole premise of the movie, is that they, they are on the ISS doing a spacewalk, and there's suddenly like a collision between satellites, and then you get a massive debris field coming around the Earth and oh, right. hitting them. It's like, and it just like causes havoc, and then she floats through space and somehow manages to get back to Earth, despite the fact she's just floating randomly in orbit. Anyway, oh, I'm not, not going to critique that movie. Um, <laughs> so sorry if you haven't seen it yet, but if you also... I feel like if you're going to see it, you would have it's, seen it already. It's been out for a while. Yeah, we're not yeah. breaking breaking news here. Yeah. Well, CNN reckons, if we can put it into context, that all of this junk is 9,000 tonnes or handily 720 school buses worth of junk. I was about to ask how many buses. I can't visualise uh, otherwise. Do you know what? It is the universal knowledge uh, measurement, isn't it? Well, Bus, it just, subs and buses. Just in terms of satellites, which are already pretty hefty, there's uh, 7,500 in space, of wow. which... Four and a half thousand are actually functioning. So there's about three thousand satellites that aren't doing anything and are just kind of uh, chilling out up there. But Hanging it's around. always interesting reading all the crazy uh, ideas for removing space junk. Oh, this was fun. This is a fun. Yeah, hole. it's mad yeah. that there's uh, massive magnets. There are like nets and solar sails. There's like harpoon guns to sort of yeah. reel them in. That um, one made me chuckle. 
lasers, I think, to try and get the small bits to burst them into flames. Um, and I think part of the problem with developing these technologies is that governments have started piggybacking them as ways of exploring space warfare. Oh, right. Oh, really? Gosh. Just some geopolitics for your, for your furry podcast there. Um, what, yeah, the one that I read about was that later this year, the Soyuz 2 rocket, which is being launched from the Baikonur um, Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan, um, will launch with a satellite, which is designed to basically be released and then recaptured. So it's going to play this game of like letting it go and then catching yeah. it again and using kind of um, magnetic docking plates on the satellite with yeah. an arm on the on the craft. So would the idea of that be to clear up existing satellites or from now on to be able to bring them back? It's from now on. So this is to test Makes whether sense. this yeah. system works so that all things that go up in future at least can be using this kind of magnetic docking system and can uh, yeah. be brought back. But yeah, like you said, that doesn't really address any of the existing face, space junk. But I suppose hey, it's a question of whether we actually can do anything about the stuff that's like up there reasonably. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because well, in, in 2018, yeah. the removed debris mission used a net, which I thought sounded <laughs> like a really, really wonderful image. And oh, apparently in 2025... Uh, the European Space Agency are launching a mission which is going to use four robotic arms to embrace space debris. I suppose that will remove the biggest ones. Um, yeah, I don't know what you can do about all the little tiny... Probably not a lot. Things. I mean, I was reading back in back in May, apparently. I hadn't heard of this before, but the ISS, they found a puncture on one of the robot arms because something hit it, um, which apparently didn't like really matter to the robot arm function, but it could have done. Uh, one interesting thing I was reading was that, you know... You buy like a dishwasher or something. Regularly, um, Thursday nights. Mm. Yeah, so, so your Thursday night dishwasher binge, you, you, you know the feeling, you wake up on Friday a little bit hungover and you're like, oh, I've ordered 13 dishwashers again. I just need to run that cycle. Um, yeah. But every time you get one of those dishwashers on, on your Friday mornings, it'll come with like an energy rating, mm. saying how, how, uh, how efficient it is. And it'll say like A, B, C, etc. Um, apparently the World Economic Forum is launching a new initiative uh, to give uh, sustainability ratings to space companies cool. in an effort to raise awareness about space debris. It's called the Space <laughs> Sustainability Rating. So what can you do, listeners, to help with this issue? Choose the most sustainable spacecraft provider on yeah. your next flight to, to the moon. Yeah. If, if, if you go on um, Go Compare or uh, Compare the Market. I do. I do wonder who would be given the the best rating that i would genuinely be interested in that though to be fair oh one last thing on space junk and also on elon musk did you hear what he popped into space for fun a while ago uh tesla is that is that what happens yep. that whole car <laughs> yep one of his old teslas what? is that, currently that, in orbit yeah, of the sun I, if i remember that happening what happened to the tesla is it still there apparently it's still orbiting the sun you there's a there's an old um there's like a dummy astronaut in the front seat as well. I can't I honestly can't work out if I think it's cool or if I really hate him. People are dying. He, <laughs> and he's launched a Tesla around the sun. I, I mean, just Oh man. We can get a really yeah. angry letter from uh, SpaceX and Tesla soon, aren't we? If they'd like to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, could you imagine? We could, do, yeah, we we'll could be the first podcast want. to broadcast from space. Um, <laughs> oh, we've actually seen the Earth now uh, from above and it's really changed our opinions on how much we want to save it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I mean, I tell you what, Sky News reported in an interview that 
hopefully because the environmental cost has never been like a consideration in the industry because it's not been a commercial entity it's mostly just been let's get researchers into space mm. or let's just race uh, other countries to be the first person to the man on the moon whatever they've never really cared that much about the environmental cost but now that we're getting a commercial entities in that race and b like a lot of a growing community on earth is clamoring for climate action yep they are actually having to build that concern and you know explaining away their actions into their future plans whether that actually does very much i don't know but it's a slight positive perhaps this is the thing i mean i love space i really love space and it's very exciting to see all the new rocket tech and the sort of renewal of space fairing mm. um and I appreciate that for a lot of these companies in order to f- help finance their efforts to uh, engage with space exploration and space-based science, taking on tourists who pay, for example, $24 million to not even turn up, um, can really, <laughs> really help them uh, to finance yeah, those operations. Um- However, it's... And, and, and by doing that, I know it does help, for example, NASA, because they get to focus less on their basic, for example, ISS resupply operations and can instead focus on the cooler science going on. But mm. um, when you look at it from an earthling point of view... <laughs> it, Speaking it, as people that will probably never experience or yeah, be part of that world, yeah. Like we said before, the vast sort of sums that are spent by a fair exclusive club... Which, which sort of becomes more and more looking like just a bit of a a game. Um, It does. You can't help but look at it and just think this is just an ego battle, isn't it? It's quite hard sometimes to remove that lens. Yeah, it is tough, especially when you look at it, then, as we said, the proliferation of space tourism. Yeah. And and, launching And with two of them launching nine days apart as well. You're like, is that a coincidence? I don't think so. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'd love to go to space. However, I don't think it's uh, perhaps worth the environmental cost just to just to get a cool look. Yeah, I... and, until the technology dramatically improves, and I don't, can't see us getting Star Trek style zoop, straight into space <laughs> technology. <laughs> yeah, I no, I agree. I think it would be amazingly cool, and on the off chance that any of them turned up and said, "Listen, there's a there is a jump seat with your name on it." totally for free and you're allowed to podcast while you're up there i don't know i mean i you'd be an idiot to say no wouldn't you this is the thing i I think i'd I'd possibly end up being a massive hypocrite and that's uh, that's the thing the fear of being a total hypocrite i probably would (laughs) yeah want to but then my question is listen why have you asked me to go and if you want me to go that badly that you're going to finance my flight can you please buy a massive chunk of land and put trees on it yeah yeah provided it provided it's a part of land that needs exactly. trees on and it's and, not like the arctic or something and in the interest of um of of balance and fairness uh for all our, our bezos backing in the last two episodes well, actually no like musk and bezos backing but bashing yeah. he bashing. bezos has committed fair within the last year for a, was it a 10 billion pound earth fund to fund um climate crisis fighting oh, initiatives but that is nothing compared um, to what he earns and has that is that's like dropping yes. a tissue, a used tissue in the general direction of the environment. That, I, that's a joke. What a, 
What a Sorry, image. I'm not um, being very BBC here, am I? Well done, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Bezos. No, I... But um, it's also very important to say that we're not uh, physicists, we are not space scientists, so um, you may well pick holes in our arguments and our opinions in this episode. Um, As always. I really like space, episode. it's just a very difficult topic when you try and reconcile it with the environment. Um, it is, So yeah. please, please, this is a good one to write in, actually, if you know anything about this topic, um, write in with your arguments and um, argue with us. Yeah, go for it. Enlighten us. Yeah. We'll happily happily share those thoughts. So, yeah. Um, Should we leave it there before we... Um, yeah, that's a good time, to be honest. We've got plenty, yeah. so Wade out of our depth. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been um, sat in this topic for a little while now, and it's quite nice to have uh, rocketed through it. Um, we'll, we'll turn on our thrusters and, and get to the end, and uh, <laughs> thank everyone for listening. You are so um, good at puns on the fly. I'm just... On the fly, I'm, nice. Oh, I didn't... Yeah, nah, mm, mm, <laughs> mm. Well, hopefully it's fueled some interesting discussions and thoughts. Like you said, we're not, you know... Well, certainly wasn't an in-depth analysis on space tourism, but we thought we'd uh, we thought we'd cover it. We'd give it a, a free spin. It's just interesting. Um, and oh, it's so I, interesting I, to do the reading I'd on. I'd definitely yeah. like to revisit it because we've got some other questions. That we sort of... If anyone knows Branson, I'd love to get him on the yeah. pod. He's quite up for quirky ideas and things, isn't he? So give old Dick I a ring. We might have an in. <laughs> so, well, I'm um, sure one of our listeners is well connected. Yeah. Drop us a line. Fordisethpod at gmail.com. Yes. And of course, of course, you can always find us on social media. Just search for Ford Earth Podcast to keep up to date with what we're up to in the two week gaps between yeah, episodes. Yeah, and keep sending us as well your uh, one good things that you've been doing on social medias because yeah, we love, love, it. love reading them and love reading them out. And any topic ideas as well. And uh, our lovely disclaimer, which is as much a feature as the rest of the podcast. Um, all the opinions and thoughts expressed within this episode and all of our other episodes, our are our own and not that of our respective employers, friends, families, or or anyone else. So, um, if we've and had certainly any... not of space exploration companies. Yes. In this yeah. Um, I, I would say we'd be in some angry letters, but um, I don't think our reach <laughs> is is that far that um, it would make it to SpaceX as it is. So, whoosh. that's fine. And with that, we will see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you.